From 1963 to 1997, Connolly Middle School served to educate several generations of 6th, 7th, 8th, and even 9th graders for a time. It might surprise you, but this one address has been the home for quite a bit of history in the education of our community. We often talk about the history of people, and we describe events of historical impact, but what about the history of the place itself? We can't interview the brick and mortar walls, but if you know where to look and find the right people to listen to, perhaps maybe those walls can talk after all. Maybe those walls can tell a story too. Maybe, just maybe, the echoes of those voices student and teacher alike are still bouncing around, waiting to be heard. To understand the story of Connolly, we need to talk about a place that was once called Education Hill. Let's take it back to the very beginning, Marshall County, Tennessee. Formed in 1836 from parts of four different counties, by tracing the history of the Connolly Building and Education Hill, we can also measure the growth and changes of Marshall County as a whole. In some ways, this idea can draw a parallel to the act of a parent charting their child's growth on a wall. Memories, after all, are a funny thing. Sometimes it takes a a reminder, a simple height mark on a wall, acting almost like a visual echo, can bring those memories back. Which brings us back to the location at Education Hill. Once it was a private school, later a high school, later still a middle school, and finally, an outreach program for its community. As the name of the school changed over the decades, more and different students filled and departed its halls, graduating classes and former students leaving their marks on the wall of the old Connolly building. These are those echoes. The MCHS History Club presents the Book of Marshall. Marshall County, Tennessee is home to a rich and diverse history. Thank you for joining us as we investigate the past and preserve our stories for the future. The echoes of our past reverberate all the way through today. All that we have to do is listen. Welcome to the Book of Marshall. The original king of the Education Hill on this grassy knoll was J.B. Haynes. Previously in charge of the Lewisburg Institute, Mr. Haynes would be joined by W.W. McLean of Mooresville for the creation of the Haynes-McLean Preparatory School in 1892. This building, like its successor, was a two-story building made of brick. Its purpose was preparing young men and women for college, as well as preparing them with skills needed in life. The campus was six acres and included a chapel, the Ewing Museum, and a library. Learning was conducted in the eight recitation rooms. To help you visualize, recitation rooms are the name for the classic open classrooms, and were named for the reciting of the information and knowledge gained there. These rooms include desks. However, the rooms of the Haynes-McLean School utilize slate backboards and talc pencils, rather than the traditional chalk that we imagine from this era. This school was top of the line in its day, with the best tools for education of its time at its disposal. J.B. Haynes owned this iteration of Education Hill, and the private school operated continuously until 1913, where it closed its doors in May at the conclusion of that school year. The doors were not closed for long. August 28, 1913, just a few short months after the Haynes-McLean School closed, the Price Webb School opened. The theme was set for the story of Education Hill, growth and change. For Marshall County, the population from 1890 to the 1910s saw Marshall County's overall population decrease, dropping just over 2,000 people from 18,906 to 16,872. The Price Webb era of Education Hill saw the location used as an associate school of Bell Buckle's Webb School. This iteration was also a private school run by E.T. Price, husband of Susan Webb. Senator Robert Sawney Webb would even come to the school once a week to deliver a lecture to the student body. The opening student body consisted of students from nine different states, as well as a student from the Philippines. On January 26, 1925, this version of the school and the building came to a permanent end. A fire broke out, consuming the building. Education Hill would lay dormant for two years before it was rebuilt and revived. Interestingly, this would not be the last time that Education Hill would find itself in this situation. The 1920s in Marshall County saw a population shift back up to 17,375. The 1920s also saw a shift 
to the approach of public education. In its earliest iterations, the free education of public schools featured year-round calendars, grade levels being intermixed, and gave students the option to stay home during harvest and planting seasons to accommodate for the agricultural community comprising much of the South. The buses of the era were little more than a pickup truck with benches along the inside of the truck bed for seating. In the 1920s, to even move into high school, a student must pass the 8th grade exit exam of its era. If you'd like to try your hand at passing middle school in the 1920s, check out the show notes as we have included a copy of one of these exams from Kentucky. The 1920s brought about some of the early changes to the modern school calendar that we see today as well. With 1929 seeing the beginnings of the transitions to the nine-month school calendars in Marshall County, passing a budget to include both high school and elementary schools, this time period also brought public education to Education Hill for the first time. For Education Hill, like a phoenix reborn from the ashes of Price Webb, January 1, 1927 saw the completion of Marshall County High School, located on 5th Avenue in Lewisburg, Tennessee. The first principal was J.B. Haverin. The first graduating class in 1927 featured Sabra Thrasher, Francis McRory, Joe Wilson, Lucille Whitesell, Thomas Dye, Jimmy Chapman, Mary Alice McConnell, William Stevens, Forrest Gates, Bessie May Osborne, Willa Brown, John Stevens, Paul Richardson, Edna Roan, Lena Lovor, and Ruth Leonard. As Marshall County's population would fluctuate up and down between 17,000 and 15,000 throughout the 1930s to the 1970s, Education Hill found relative stability for several years. While some things in high school may not change much over the year, such as the principals observing break time from the second floor in order to watch for smoke from cigarettes rising. This era saw quite a bit of change to Marshall County. These decades also saw the creation of Marshall County School Lunch Program, a result of FDR's New Deal. Under the leadership of Emma Gilliam, the school food for the 25-cent hot lunch was grown in gardens and was canned in the old gymnasium near Marshall County High School. The 1950s and 1960s brought about another change in public schools, as integration policies ended segregation of white students and black students in Marshall County. Along with the obvious effect of providing equal education, this also greatly shifted the enrollment numbers around the county as well. Perhaps the most known story of Marshall County High School's era atop Education Hill occurred on April 17, 1961. For the second time in its history, a late afternoon fire caused major damage to the building on Education Hill. This fire did an estimated $750,000 worth of damage. In spite of what many students believe, however, learning never stops for very long. Even when a fire has destroyed or damaged a large chunk of the school building, students finish the school year having classes in the cafeteria and gymnasium of the high school. As the repairs continued for the duration of the 1962-63 school year, metal portable buildings were brought out to the football field for class. Walkways were created with a usable lumber that could be salvaged from the inside of the burned out building. These portables were 24 feet by 60 feet and would hold two classes at a time. The rebuild was finally completed in time for 1963. Marshall County High School was relocated to a new location at 500 Tiger Boulevard in Lewisburg. You will find Lewisburg Middle School at that location today. As for Education Hill, stay with us through a sponsor break and for the Connolly era. Today's episode of the Book of Marshall is sponsored by MCHS alumni Anna Childress, Angela Willsford, Brent Edens. We are also sponsored by Dairy Queen of Lewisburg, located at 850 North Ellington Parkway in Lewisburg, Tennessee. At DQ, we flip for blizzards. The MCHS History Club is dedicated to researching our local history, but we also have a goal of connecting with our greater community. This month, since our topic is one of our former schools in the county, Ella Wilson was able to talk to Mr. Jacob Swirls about the responsibilities of the director of the schools. This is Ella Wilson with the Marshall County History Club, and I'm here today with... Jacob Sorrells, Director of Schools. So, Mr. Sorrells, how long have you been Director of Schools? So I'm finishing up my seventh year. So what do you do as Director of Schools? (laughs) That's a really good question, Ms. Wilson. (laughs) It it really depends on the day. (laughs) You know, I really like to think of myself as a... You know, kind of the center hub of a big wagon wheel. So I've got a lot coming in with all the different spokes, right? And there's a lot going out. Uh, so I'm constantly hearing things from 
all different levels. I'm constantly communicating. I set a lot of expectations. Of course, I'm our leader. That doesn't mean I'm doing everything right. A history example would be Western migration in the United States, and we're going across those mountains. I'm the leader says, we're going to go over those mountains. I'm not sure how we're going to get there. I've got some other people that are going to have to engineer some bridges across some of these rivers. We're going to have to find a pass through this mountain range. There's a lot of logistics that's got to get us over there, but that's where we need to go. And that's the vision. This is how we're going to get there. And then another part of my job is all these different people that are on my team. you got to work together, but this is your responsibility. This is your responsibility. And so they're constantly bringing me information. We sit down and we discuss issues, topics, whatever they are. And then we have to make a decision and we push it out and we go. Some days I'm in the buildings. You might not see me in the building for two weeks. Sometimes I'm here and you don't know it. I don't like getting stuck in that central office. A lot of what we do and why we do it comes from the federal government, state government. I mean, we may have a little decision on go turn this way a little bit or this way a little bit, but typically most of what we do is come from federal and state government. See, a lot of what I think you do as a student is call off school or not. <laughs> that's all I know. So Well, that, and there, so when I talk to little kids, that's what I tell them. You know, so, sometimes I go in a classroom one of the elementary schools and, and they just kind of look at me and I say, look, when you get out for snow, that's me. So they typically like that. Well, and just with any job I've ever taken, I thought I knew what I was getting into, but you really don't know until you sit down in that seat, whether it's by the phone, email, somebody appears in your door, the job's going to start. And so you may think it's this, and it could end up being very different from what you thought it was going to be. And and I think the job varies for directors depending on what district you're in, you know, how big it is. It's a big difference between being the director of schools, I think, in a Moore County versus the Metro. Well, how many people you have working for you. Some of those things are going to be similar no matter what. And I would say the biggest consistent in all of it is got to work with people and you got to work with people from every background and people have different points of view. I think listening is key. I think communication is key. At the end of the day, just having good people with you. So what do you think your most important role is? The most important thing I'm doing right now is we are working on school safety. Since we've come back from spring break, that's really been our priority. And that needs to be our priority every day. But we've we've done a lot of work around school safety, studying other school systems, studying other schools, listening to parents, working with board members, working with principals, listening to supervisors. So we're trying to take all that in and trying to make some changes, trying to be proactive. You know, at the end of the day, there's not an answer for all of it. But we feel like we need to add as many layers as we can uh, to do the best we can to make our schools a safe environment for everybody and places that you know people want to come to. Okay, thank you. That's all. Thank you, ma'am. Enjoyed it. Now we return to our story and the beginning of the Connolly era. Connolly School began its time as Connolly Junior High School in 1963. The school was named after William M. Connolly. W. M. Connolly served as principal at Mooresville High School and Lewisburg Grammar School for 24 years in Marshall County. He served as superintendent from 1944 to 1956 and again for a short run in 1960. By the historical accounts the History Club found, Mr. Connolly was a principled man who knew the importance of the balance of discipline as well as the importance of of recess. As for the stories of Connolly, if you listen close enough, you may hear those echoes bouncing back. Was I had Miss Emily Gordon. Never I had I'm Mary Brewer. I attended Conley Middle School in the years 1991 through 1994. I just remember it being such a big school. Leaving elementary school and it was like a three-story building, these little tiny stairwells. It smelled old, but it was so much fun. It was probably the best school that I attended. No kidding. One of my favorite stories that I can remember was I had Miss Emily Gordon. I love her so much and she's still around today and pops in every so often. And Miss Gordon taught reading and it was like, fifth period it was after lunch and she used to do this little baton twirl with her yardstick and then she would turn on the channel one tv for us to watch the channel one news i remember this one particular day in her room we were upstairs like on the third floor and the door went open and in rolls the very first classroom computer that we had ever seen and i remember it being ginormous and i remember us having a waiting list to play on it and the game of choice was oregon trail uh, another one, Fall Festival, 
we used to have a fall festival. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. It was called the fall festival, mm-hmm. and we have a haunted house oh, that okay. we that we had in the football locker room. Yeah. That was the haunted house, <laughs> no. and that's that was one of the coolest little haunted houses that we look forward to every year. <laughs> yeah. uh, teachers, of course, were in there dressed up, oh, and, and there was all kind of. Um, stuff that they had or whatever. So the haunted house, like on fall festival, was one that I. It, it was pretty cool. And if you play football, you definitely remember the the smell of the milk plant. There's a milk plant right by, it and it stunk hard. <laughs> it sure did. Every day of practice, <laughs> yeah. you, you practiced right beside it on that field. Uh, we always said the sewage was coming up in the field. Yeah. I don't know if it was <laughs> sewage or if it was just uh, water or something the milk plant, but it would get real wet and think real bad. Yep. Another smell. So the smell, <laughs> but it's a memory you have. It's a good it's memory because we had fun with it. We talked about it all the time. Sure as students, uh, the school commons. It's a two-story school, yep. so you have these back stairwells that had little nooks and crannies. As a student, you know, you're always trying to take advantage of all those little yep. places. Yep. You can hide. hide. Yep. Yep. So it's like, well, I know all those little places because I remember yep. doing it. Yep. Yeah. Fun times. Mr. Laurie is one I remember. Uh, one of the best teachers I ever had, but nobody wanted to get paddled by Mr. Laurie. Scared to death to get paddled yep. by yep. everybody. But everybody loved, loved him. Loved he was Coach Ray Stacy, Coach Mike Bishop, they're legendary. Yep, sure did. And in this school system that mm-hmm. we're here for a long time. That yep. If you came through in those years, you, you've got a lot of stories about them and other teachers at the school for sure. But Coach Robin Miner was the other history teacher. I, I had a lot of experience, fun times with him in class. He was a really good teacher, but he made it fun. He played games, always carrying on yep. with you. That's what's fun. Had I had prizes and different things to give you if you could answer questions. He was also a coach that was coaching then, and also I got to coach with as a teacher. That yep. Still close with him today. You know, getting to know him and staying close to those people has been a fun experience. My name is Daniel Bainey, and I work here at Marshall County High School. But when I, in the early 90s, I went to Conley when it was the middle school right there. One of the greatest schools I ever went to. You know. Also, fun fact, when I first began teaching in the system, I worked in an after-school program there. When I was a kid in the early 90s, you used to be able to bring your pet to school. And people would bring in cats, dogs. Somebody brought in a python. And the python escaped. And like for like like a week or so, they could not find this python. And it was people were kind of panicking. They didn't know where it was. And it got to the cold time of the year. And, you know, the basement of Conley is where you had, like, the wood shop, the metal shop, you know, the, the locker room. That's where everything was was down there. You had to go down these, like, stairwells at the basement level. We're going down through there. We look up one of those pipes hanging in the ceiling, and there's that python just wrapped around that pipe. And they had to actually send the custodian down there to go pull the python off. And good times back in the day right there, you know. Kevin McGee. My favorite memory was probably during school basketball games. The fact that the school had stairs in it and we had to climb stairs up and down to go places. Also, we had a fun faculty. I stayed in a lot of mischief. Got several paddlings, but it was a good experience. Cool old building. I miss those days and it's sad that that building's sitting there deteriorating. Jenna Wilson. Mr. Lowry, he was a history teacher my eighth grade year, and I still remember the unit he taught on gangsters. It was so interesting and made me more interested in that time period. Well, it's pretty cool, you know, because you got to understand back then that was in the 70s. That would have been seventh, eighth, and ninth graders were at Conley then. We're the Conley Commons, and so you played freshmen. Only 10th graders, 11th graders, 12th graders were at the high school at the time. You know, that was pretty cool being together like that. And, Probably one of the fondest memories I used to enjoy is that uh, we, during our ball games, I played played basketball and football, is that before ball games, we'd all leave and walk down and leave the uh, school and walk down to town because there was a malt shop. Now, a malt shop was considered to be like a hamburger, french fry joint, milkshakes, jukebox playing. Of course, we'd all go down, get a bite to eat, you know, the team was. And I thought, you know, and of course, we'd all have on our Conley Comet, letter sweaters, and uh, you know, our bell bottoms on. Uh. All right, my name is Kyle Stacy, and I went to Conley in 1981, and they were able to make my eighth grade year in 1982. I guess the teachers that I remember at Conley, the two that stick out in my mind most is probably Jim Lowry, and then uh, Mike Bishop was our PE teacher and our, our football coach. We got to do a lot of really exciting things in PE. We'd get the mini trampoline out and eat and jump and dunk the basketball. So he was like, you know, a middle school t- kid. That was a really cool teacher to have. Those two I remember the most. I also remember Mr. Lowry was probably, everybody wanted Mr. Lowry. Yeah. That you were scared of him, but you loved him. 
Exactly. He didn't want to be paddled by Mr. Lowry. He was a great storyteller. I loved my years at Conley. It was great. It was one of the best schools I've ever been to. One of the most unique schools. I guess there was a lot of schools back then built like that, but yeah. it being multi-level, it was it was such a huge change going from elementary school to Conley. And I also remember pep rallies. That was a fun time. I was a cheerleader. That gym was awesome. It was. It was. A lot of good basketball games in P class. Day basketball games. Absolutely. That was in fun. In school basketball uh -huh. games. You know, talking about the building, it was it was such a unique building. But coming to Conley was like, you know, that multi-level building and just the excitement of changing classes. I can remember being a, an office worker and just going around to pick up attendance. There were so many weird places to go. You looked at it and you think it's just two stories, but it has those middle multi-levels yeah. down in the basement. The gym side is what was crazy to me because, you know, you had the gym and then underneath the gym was the cafeteria, the cafeteria, cafeteria and the locker rooms. All the locker rooms were down there. <laughs> but then kind of on top of the or maybe out to the to the side was the library. The library. Miss Page. Miss Page. In the library. Yep, I remember. Page. We would practice football in the open field behind the gym. Smell the milk plant. And smell the milk plant the whole time. <laughs> that smell definitely reminds me of Conley. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every year we would have like the fall festival. It would be in the gym. Different organizations would set up booths. The kids got to put on a haunted house in the dressing rooms <laughs> or during this fall festival. It was an awesome experience. The Washington trip, Mr. Lowry's Washington oh, yeah. trip every year. That was always a fun memory. Uh, also, of course, I went there during 93, 94. In some of my classes, there were portables out front. I remember having Jenny Wiles, her first year in the portable. Did you have Betsy Bishop? Was she there? Yes. Betsy was there. I had Elizabeth Fry, one of her first years. Mm. It was it was fun. It's, a, it's an awesome time and an awesome place. Of course, students are just one part of the story. My name is Kathy Jo Martin. I work at Conley in the late 1980s. It was sixth grade social studies. I was freshly out of college. I had no earthly idea what I was doing and I was given the meanest kids in the school. So it was a very interesting baptism by fire. Uh, Conley was an old building at the time because this was in the late 80s and it was very difficult to maneuver around in that building. I worked for Hugh Darrell Adams, who was principal at the time, and also Rocky Bowden was the vice principal and they were excellent administrators. Sam Johnson sat down for a roundtable discussion with several educators who spent time at Connolly School, where they discussed their memories of the school, as well as the transition into Lewisburg Middle School after the 1996-1997 school year ended. Hello, my name is Sam Johnson. I'm a senior in the History Club, and I am here with... I'm Connie Page, and I was a librarian at Connolly for 19 years. I'm Dickie Atkins. I was a tennis coach at Connolly, and I, I started. Te I was my first job. I started teaching there in 1989. I'm Jeannie Wiles, and I was a student at Connolly from 1981 to 1984, and I started teaching at Connolly from at 1992 until we became Lewisburg Middle School in 1997. I'm Benita Valines. I was a student at Connolly from 19 until, and I was a teacher at Connolly from. 1982 until 1997 when it closed. Thank you all for coming down here today to talk to us. We are discussing the history of the schools that have been at the Conley building through the years and we have noticed a lot of students talk about their time at Conley Middle School very fondly. Why do you think Conley has stayed with so many of the people who worked and taught there for so long? It would stay with me because that was the very first uh, job that I ever had. And it was my second career, and I didn't know if I'd ever get hired anywhere. And other people interviewed for the same job I had, so I didn't know if I was going to get it or not. But luckily, Mr. A uh, Hugh Darrell Adams hired me. That was also my first year as a librarian or anything. I wasn't certified as a librarian, but that was the year that the budget wasn't passed, so we started school late. And I was lucky enough to be able to uh, take that position because I had an English minor, and then I had to go back to school to take extra courses, but it was all worth it. 
When I started teaching in 1976, I was at Jones School. Jones School is the central office now. They closed Jones five years after I was there, and they moved us to Conley. And uh, I was at Conley until 1997 when they closed that and moved us to the old high school, Lewisburg Middle School. So it wasn't my first teaching job, but it was enjoyable because we had a lot of good experiences and a lot of fun things that we did there. Um, As a 6th and 7th and 8th grade student, I just remember having a lot of fun. I actually had Miss Valines and Miss Page. They were teachers of mine. So it was a lot of fun. Then as a teacher also, one of the reasons I think it sticks with people is a different time in, in education. I remember being handed a blue book of standards and like one math standard covered 99 topics, that one standard. And I remembered looking at the book and setting it aside and I just taught. And those were the days. Another thing that made the time so memorable there is the people that went through, like Miss Wiles and uh, Miss Perriman and uh, Mr. Donahue and Mr. Henry, a lot of folks that you know around the county that we remember and we remember fondly because it was fun to have those people as students. My memory of Conley also is I was talking to Coach Lovell the other day and he called it an old school gym which means you had to walk up steps to actually go into the gym and all the wood that was in there and everything. So it, it's in the dressing rooms were underneath the gym. So I, I kind of made it, you know, an unusual thing. One thing I do remember is uh, the gym was underneath the library, basically, and the basketball goal was attached to the wall of the library, and I heard them shoot all day long. We remember two fires that happened while we were there. Miss Page, chime in on this because you remember better than I do. One was... Um, a, Real minor. Student, yeah, I just decided that he wanted to uh, burn, set the trash can Yeah, burn something in the waste In the boys' can. restroom a couple of times, and then they figured out who was doing it, so that stopped. And the other one was a, a lot more serious. We were displaced for, I don't remember how long, but I know everybody that was on the first floor had to take their classes to the locker rooms down there. And I remember, although Ms. Page doesn't remember this, they, the cafeteria brought sack lunches into us while we were displaced. So we had a couple or three fires at Conley while we were there. The top floor was just for, like, smoke. We had to uh, pull everything off and clean it and things like that. And then the library, of course, turned into a regular classroom to make room for everyone. So we've already gotten into this next question a little bit, but what do you have any specific memories that stick out in your head from your time at Conley? At one time, we had a 70-minute study hall in the library with 127 students mixed seventh and eighth grade it was a rather long period it was loaded and we had to bring desk in it was just a fun time i remember jonathan hollingsworth was in there robin barnes johns was in there and uh, they were they were good i was nervous as a cat but uh, they were they were very good I'm glad I didn't do it but once. I remember the elevator. That fascinated me because I'd never been in a school before that had an elevator, and I used to have to take a student from the lower level all the way up to the library. And then another fond memory I had was playing dodgeball against the roaches. We had some gigantic roaches that were probably 12 inches long, and so the kids had a lot of fun just throwing volleyballs, dodgeballs, whatever at them, and and, uh, seeing who could kill the most. I do remember as a student and as a teacher there, they would be in the cafeteria. Seriously, they were probably three or four inches long. And, like, we just kept eating and didn't think anything about it. And we, those were different times. And so it was just, there they are. We didn't bother them and they didn't bother us. (laughs) I remember we had four pods, four classrooms out on the front lawn. And for some reason, I was lucky and had to have a classroom out in the pod. And... You were isolated out there because normally when you're in the building, you see the class change, you see the kids, you can run to the restroom if you need to. One day I remember that I felt sick and I didn't want to leave my kids and go inside the building because they'd be in the pod by themselves. And it was almost time to go to lunch and I thought, I can make it, I can make it. Well, I couldn't. So I just opened the door of the pod and went down the steps and threw up right on the grass. (laughs) Oh, I have another memory with Miss Page. Uh, I had a student in PE that got a, I think he got a stink bomb from some kind of festival in Lewisburg. And so he threw it in the gym, but he got sick. He got sick on it himself. I won't call any names. And so Miss Page heard him. She's looking out the window up at the top. And so that was kind of interesting. I do think we need to, you know, for younger people today listening, 
I, my first job in 1992, we still had chalkboards. We did not have computers. Everything was still, even in 1992, we did not have that technology yet. So that was, uh, as far as teaching, that was, you don't realize how long ago that was. And Ms. Page, chime in, we talking about technology that Ms. Wiles said. We were lucky because we had Channel One. So we had these huge TVs, not flat screens, definitely, that were on carts that we would roll around. <laughs> and every day about lunch, I think it was, we yeah. would have to tune in to Channel One. Channel One, mm-hmm. yeah. Channel One, and we and it was a lot of interesting information. The kids really, I think, enjoyed it. Uh, and then they would ask questions at the end, and you know, we'd ask the kids in the rooms if they could answer them and things like that. So it was educational, also. Yeah, it would, but it would not be up to today's standards of technology for sure. We even had homework hotline, <clears throat> and I remember I was thinking, you know, I'm PE teacher, so I wouldn't have to do this, but oh no, they made me do it. So you know, if you had a parent or something that had a concern about physical education. Or the, any of the other academic areas, then uh, you just call that number and we would leave a message and get back with you. I do remember I got to teach reading as an academic subject for two years, and I loved that. That was, my, of course, my favorite subject, or I wouldn't have been a librarian, but uh, I did enjoy that. One of the things I remember most as a student and a teacher are the dances. Dances at Conley were, were memorable. Um, every year we had different things happen, but every year was consistent. Um, dancing on the tables with various teachers. After um, the students left. After the students <laughs> left, uh, but a lot of fun at those things. We probably shouldn't say that Miss Edna Wilson was one of the chief table dancers, should we? I will say this. So part of the nostalgia of Conley are some of the bigger personality teachers. And of course, Jim Lowry was one of them that everybody wanted to have, had had, or had been paddled by. That was why we are so still nostalgic about it. I will say this about paddling too. This is back in the day when if a student didn't have their homework for the second or third time in a row, we took them into Mr. Bowden. He paddled them right there. We went right back to class and had class. And those were the good old days of instant fixing of the problem. Right. And if a teacher paddled you, you probably signed it afterward. And Mr. Lowry only had to give one lick. Let me tell a story about Mr. Lowry. I don't know if his other teachers knew this, but he did the grand slam. So what would happen if he had a student that got in trouble, he'd take them out in the hallway and he would threaten them and tell them that he wasn't going to paddle them, but he was going to hit the paddle to his foot. And then when they went back in, they had to cry. It looked like they were crying. And they better not tell anybody any different. I witnessed the one lick and it, it was a good one. <laughs> I do remember this. This is not, I'm sorry, not that I remember, but um, Mike Wiles was telling about being in PE and doing push-ups or something, and that Roy Dukes would just walk around behind them and, and hit them with a the paddle even during then. Like, <laughs> Boy, that might be a good idea. Now, I think Mr. Dukes was known for his, his discipline and determination as a coach, and I also remember him telling that somebody got in trouble one time, and Mr. Dukes lined them all up outside his office, and they would all go in and... And that's exactly what they were doing, Miss Page. He was hitting his, his paddle on his foot. He wasn't really paddling them all. One time I was helping Miss Page with cafeteria duty, the famous cafeteria duty. And so this young lady got mad at Miss Page, and so she started trying to fight Miss Page. So Miss Page and I picked her up and carted her to the office, and I think Miss Page had to go to court and all that good stuff. So she was calling Miss Page every word I've never heard of in my life. It is really interesting to hear about uh, some of these these stories, these memories, because like y'all mentioned with a lot of these things, like with the roaches and the technology. Uh, I mean, it's a completely different setting today. We rely on technology completely. And if we saw roaches in the school, we wouldn't be back for a little while, probably. So (laughs) it is interesting to hear about how it's changed just since Connolly was the middle school. So the next question, what was the experience like transitioning from Connolly when it closed? Moving a library with all the books is quite a task, but I had some very nice parents to come up and help, and it took a lot of the workload off of me, and I really appreciate that to this day. But in the new library at LMS, it was wonderful. I will say this. Back when that happened, there was a big uproar on the school board about us moving.
moving to the old high school. And literally that summer, when it was decided that we could move, we all moved ourselves with our custodians. There was no moving. Mm -mm. Our custodians and the teachers moved every bit of the furniture and everything to... Books, everything. Yes, to become Lewisburg Middle School because it was somewhat controversial. I remember we had a ceremony in the gym. Ms. Wiles probably remembers better than I do. We retired the flag that had flown over the building for all those years. And it was a really nice ceremony. They talked about what we were going to name the new school and who the mascot would be because Conley had started as Conley Junior High School. And at some point, I'm not sure what year, it became Conley Middle School. I think we had a transition of grades in there. We were six, seven, and eight. And then I believe we were seven, eight, nine. And that may have been when we became a middle school. But we had a ceremony to talk about the name for the new school and the mascots. We weren't going to be the Comets anymore. We were going to be the Tigers. So it was a kind of nostalgic and kind of bittersweet day, I think. It was sad, but it was also exciting that we were getting to go to a school that might be better equipped for us. Do you feel your time at Connolly shaped you or stayed with you throughout your professional career? Me personally, I think it stayed with me. It definitely helped. You know, being a first-year teacher there, I learned a lot about discipline and what I wasn't doing right and things of that nature. And I had a lot of people... Susanna Ingram, Ms. Felines helped me with discipline, what I should do, what I shouldn't do, and things of that nature. So I think I think it helped mold me into a better teacher. When I first started at Connolly, it was seventh, eighth, and ninth, and that was different. And that was my first job, and I, I learned a lot. From then on, one year we had just seventh and eighth grade at Connolly, and I was a librarian at Connolly and Jones, which was fifth and sixth. So I've had fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth students over my thirty-seven year career. It's it's been very enjoyable. Now I love that. Not that I don't like all the grades, but my sixth grade, I'm sorry, is my favorite. They like to read. They don't mind people knowing they like to read, and it, it was really a, a nice group. Another thing I learned while, while teaching was no matter what happened, like on Monday with a student, when you returned on Tuesday, you didn't think about that. You started a brand new day. It was all started over again, or you wouldn't make it. You know, you just had to forget, forgive, and let it go, and then you would survive. <laughs> I don't know that it did either for me because like Ms. Wiles was talking about, when we were there teaching and we had the blue book, we don't have that now. We didn't have the same kind of teaching strategies that we have now. We didn't have the technology. I don't know that it shaped me in any way, but it was definitely a good experience. Um, And I, I will say this. I can remember Hugh Darrell Adams coming in to observe me and being terrified. He would put his feet up on the desk and hold his newspaper in front of him, and I was convinced he wasn't seeing anything going on. And then, at the end of the day, you would go in his office for the follow-up conversation, and he would tell you everything that happened in that class when Timmy tapped Johnny on the head and was distracted. And, I mean, he did a fabulous evaluation because he would have suggestions, but he was also complimentary. And um, I remember being shocked at that at first because it didn't seem like he was paying attention. I, I definitely think it shaped me and stayed with me for a lot of reasons. Yeah, as time passed, but then also um, I was convinced when I got hired to teach that I would want to be a high school math teacher. That was what I planned to do. I had done my student teaching at Shelbyville Central. And so really my first year at Conley in my mind was a temporary stay. As soon as a high school math job opens, I'll go. Well, after that year, I never asked to go. I was there 22 years as it morphed into Lewisburg middle school and I wouldn't have changed a thing so I definitely think it was some some of the best times and I'll say this too about our faculties then even though we disagreed or bickered or had little things we loved each other and supported each other and even if we weren't happy it wasn't like we were thinking oh I'll just go somewhere else that wasn't it at all we just stuck it out we were firm in our desire to teach those grades and really loved it I think would y'all agree with that oh I definitely would Well, again, we want to thank y'all for coming out today to talk to us. And uh, before we before we wrap up, we'd like to recognize that Miss Page, you are retired now, correct? Finally, yes. <laughs> I've, I've retired after 37 years and stayed out a year and couldn't stand it, so I got to go back for three years as part time and loved every day of it. But when I turned, <clears throat> uh, I decided it was time. After 40 years of being <laughs> in education, I decided it was time. So Miss Page, she worked with the Marshall County School System for a long time, as she mentioned, and so we appreciate that. And then Coach Adkins is retiring this year after 34 years with the Marshall County School System. And so we appreciate everything he has done. And then Miss Valines is still 
working part-time after how many years? Well, all right. If the part-time years count, this is the end of the 47th year. After 47 years. So we really appreciate her contributions as well. And then Miss Wiles, of course, is still working as a high school counselor at Marshall County High School. And every student here will tell you that she does a whole lot for this school as well. So we appreciate everything she does as well. One thing I'll add, this is just thrown in there when Sam was talking about the different changes when I was at Conley as a student I'll go ahead and say it was in the 60s (laughs) I mean if I've already said I've been here for 47 years I might as well say it was in the 60s girls had to wear dresses and the dresses had to be a certain length in fact girls didn't get to wear anything except dresses until the year after I graduated high school and when I was in high school, this is not related to Conley, I was telling Mr. Hillis that boys could not have sideburns longer than their ears, and they would, the principals would literally take a string, put it on the boy's nose, run it under their ear, and if their sideburn was longer than their ear, they would get shaved right there in the hall or the lobby or wherever. <laughs> Girls' dresses were measured, so yes, there have been a lot of changes. Well, that was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Coach Akins. <laughs> wow, I Connolly closed its doors for good as a school in 1997, but its story wasn't over yet. After several years of being used by some local churches and ministries, former Connolly student and MCHS alumni Frank Sullivan began to use the Connolly building for his organization, Hope Town. Caden Emmett sat down with Mr. Sullivan to discuss how he ended up at Connolly and what it meant to him to return after so many years. I'm Caden Emmett. I'm a junior in the History Club, and I'm here with... My name is Frank Sullivan. I'm blessed to serve as the executive director of Hopetown here in Lewisburg. Thank you. We have some questions for you today. Sure. Um, When did you attend MCHS? I think unofficially the answer would be 7,000 years ago. Officially, from the fall of 1982 until the spring of 1986. I graduated in 1986. Cool. So what is Hopetown? Uh, My answer usually is we're not really exactly anything. Uh, People are like, are you guys a church? Well, no, not not exactly. You guys like the ministry of a church? Well, no, no, not exactly. Uh, So you're just like an organization that just tries to help people? Not exactly. Uh, we're some combination, in a way, of all those things. We are a Christian nonprofit organization, not a church. We do a lot of work in helping people, but that is actually just one aspect of who we are. Hope Town is an effort here in Lewisburg to transform our city. Uh, unfortunately, Lewisburg has acquired, maybe given the nickname by itself, for all I know, but has acquired the unfortunate nickname of Loserburg, and I can't stand it when I hear that. So our aim at Hopetown is to transform Lewisburg from Loserburg to Hopetown. Not because we named our ministry that. We named our ministry that because we wanted that to be the vision people had for their city. We do that through a lot of ways, helping people with food, with clothing, with hygiene items, financial assistance, meals, counseling. There's a lot of things we do, but the larger aim is something much bigger than just helping people in need. So how long have you been doing this? Hope Town began officially February of 2017. Feels as if I've never done anything else, even though I lived in all kinds of different places and did all kinds of different things here in America before Hope Town. But it's just taken over so much of my heart and who I am that it's almost erasing the memory of everything else. On the other hand, it feels as if we just got started. Officially, though, a little bit over six years. What inspired you to start Hope Town? This kind of ministry, I've been doing some form of it most of my life. After leaving Lewisburg, I moved to Detroit and did inner city ministry for about 12 and a half years. So some people joked, oh, I guess Lewisburg's probably not going to scare you then if you've done Detroit. No, no Lewisburg's probably not going to scare me. But I came back here from my 30-year reunion in 2016 in the summer and got a tour of the old Connolly School building, which is where I went to middle school, because First Assembly of God, a church here in town, had been doing some outreach ministry from that building. I was able to get a tour just because I would be interested in ministry happening from an old school building where I went to school. And as I walked around that place and got the tour from the pastor, God began settling in on me with something which materialized several months later as Hopetown. Coming back, I began to be aware, much more aware than I had been in all the places I'd lived before because I lived far away from Lewisburg for 25 years, of the needs that existed right here where I lived and became awakened to 
a larger calling that God had on my life to come back to a town that was fantastic to me growing up, and I needed it to be fantastic. I grew up in a very fractured family, and I needed so many people to pour into me, and so many people did, especially right here in this school. Well, you know, at the middle school, but so many people poured into my life that I had felt all along I had owed a a gigantic debt of gratitude to the people of Lewisburg and Marshall County. And when God began settling in on me, taking a tour of that old building, especially with the incredible influence and inspiration of my wife, Julie, it's time for me to return home. And Hopetown was birthed out of that. Must have been a lot, a lot of nostalgia getting to see that building again. There was so much nostalgia. The first thing I thought when I walked in for the tours, wow, this cafeteria has shrunk. You know, like like everything, when you were younger, it seemed bigger then, and when you get older, it seemed smaller. Like so, there was a lot of nostalgia. Remembering as I went up to the gym because I played basketball at Conley, remembering all the line drills that we did, remembering all the rebounds I pulled down, remembering all the layups I missed. There's a lot of nostalgia in that building. But what I really remember feeling when I walked in the place was a sense of belonging. I went to school in Cornersville from kindergarten through the third grade. And then uh, my grandparents who raised me moved closer to town. And so I changed schools. But fourth, fifth and sixth grade, I struggled to find my place in Lewisburg schools. I actually still missed where I was. And I was in Honestly, fifth and sixth grade in particular, a lot of fights, especially on the school bus. I was the geeky kid with the messed up family and got picked on, had a chip on my shoulder and was not going to take it. And my attitude wasn't good, to tell you the truth. But something happened at Conley, and I can't even explain what it was. But through the seventh and in particular, by the time the eighth grade came, I felt as if I actually belong in Lewisburg and I belong in this school and I belong in this classroom and I belong on that football field. And it changed my whole life. So Conley was a very comforting feeling to me. Now, a lot of people would have walked in and said, um, most of the windows are broken and broken windows mean pigeons and pigeons mean pigeon droppings. And it's kind of weird that you feel comfortable in a place with broken windows and pigeon poop. I'm like, hey, this is my kind of place, man. It's that I felt at home in a way that I can't put into words any more than just saying that. This was the first place I really felt as if, even in my own family, I didn't always feel as if I belonged. This is the place where I started feeling like I belonged somewhere. So it was a very emotional uh, thing for me when we started there. And it was a very emotional thing almost a year ago when we stopped using that facility because it had just deteriorated to the point we couldn't continue. So it was very emotional to even leave there. What was it like going back in and seeing the building after so long? It was painful to see the condition it was in, but it was also in a way helpful because the building's condition was actually a metaphor for our ministry because most of the people that we see live very much in marginalized circumstances and their house is falling apart and they don't have all the things that they need and that building surely didn't. In fact, the the condition of the building was such that lots of people would be sitting and talking to me in the building and say, is this building like abandoned? And I would joke and say, well, like we're sitting here sitting talking in it, aren't we? How could it be abandoned? And they're like, oh, well, I guess what I mean is it looks abandoned. I'm like, okay, I understand that. But that condition not only sort of served as a metaphor for our ministry, but also served as a positive, whereas a lot of us would look at it as a tremendous negative, it also had a positive. And that is, it wasn't intimidating to people who didn't have what they needed. They didn't see a pristine palace that would make them feel uncomfortable. They'd be intimidated to come in. I think they thought, man, their place looks worse than my place. (laughs) Surely these people can understand what I'm going through. Those are kind of the emotions I experienced like, oh, this is too bad. But also, this is something I think that can be useful. Is there anything you would like to tell us that you have coming up for Hopetown? I'll tell you something we just started and then something that's coming up. One of the big initiatives we just started is an adult literacy project. We have a great many adults in our community who don't have functional reading and writing skills, and it sets them back in many different ways every day of their lives. So we just started that, and we have our first student who already is making enormous progress. It's thrilling to watch, and we're going to be taking on more students because that's a real way to make a difference in someone's life. It's a literacy project we're calling Forward, like the forward of a book, F-O-R-E-W-O-R-D, but it's double meaning because if you learn how to read and write, you can move forward. Another thing on the horizon is, of course, I referred to the Conley building and our leaving it. We are currently in a temporary space in the Family Life Center of First Cumberland Presbyterian Church, just right off the square. That will hold us until we get our permanent space built. We do have land on Rock Crusher Road just 
across from Ascend Federal Credit Union right there by Walmart. And I just met with the site planner today. We're going over a whole bunch of new uh, things that we're working on. And our aim is by early fall to break ground and get started on that project. That project is going to take lots of time, lots of creativity, lots of money. We'll put the time in. We'll put the creativity in. I mean, my wife will put the creativity in because I don't know if creativity is my bag, really. But we have people for that, and we just now depend upon God to move in people's hearts to provide the money that we need to get the place going. But that will come as well because everything we have needed has come. We hope to have not only offices and our food pantry and an area for people to shop for clothes and furniture and all that, but also a gym. That's a big thing on the horizon. While it wasn't used as a school in the traditional sense, Hopetown serves as a fitting final chapter for the story of Education Hill and Connolly. As well, it is a fitting foundation for the goals of Hopetown. The name changed many times, the county and town around it changed, even the nature of education changed several times throughout its history. So many stories and memories echo throughout the walls of this location, it would be impossible to cover them all in any format. What we learned in our research and interviews is that for those who attended, Connolly seemed to have a certain quality. Something hard to define or describe, and maybe even in completely different ways from one person to another, but was nonetheless something special. What does the future hold for the Connolly Building? Time can only tell, but for its history, those stories may not all be set in stone, but the echoes still resonate throughout the county. For Connolly School, these are its stories. The Book of Marshall, Chapter 3, Echoes of Conley. This episode of The Book of Marshall was researched and written by Tennille Alexander, Henry Pearson, Caden Emmett, Lyle Nelson, Sam Johnson, Nicholas Meredith, Ella Wilson, and Travis Hillis. Hosted by Caden Emmett and Lyle Nelson. Introduction and sponsorships hosted by Nicholas Meredith. Executive produced by Travis Hillis. Theme song for the Book of Marshall, Clouds, by Jay Hill. Any errors made in the research of this episode are purely made in good faith. Sources are provided in the episode description. We would like to thank Linda Potts and the Marshall County Historical Society for their support. Finally, we would like to thank you for listening. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. We hope to see you next time.